0: Good morning everybody. Good to see you all here this morning. Good to see Matthew back from India, safe and sound. Tempted, I suspect, to go to Nagaland with Martha, but he came back. Good to see you. And anybody else who's here for the first time and visitors, it's great to have you all here this morning. Now, I became a customs officer in 1989 when I was 16. And in 1992, when I was 19, I received a very special and incredibly powerful piece of paper, which I'm very sad and had framed, something called an officer's commission. I was commissioned by Her Majesty's government to be one of its customs officers and to carry out my job with all of the authority of the government and of the crown. And the word commission simply means to be given an instruction or a command to do something which has power and authority behind it. And this bit of paper used to be folded up, and we used to have it in a little... um, a sort of special little wallet that we used to have to carry with us everywhere we went. And it became part of me. I had to just take it absolutely everywhere. We had to guard it with our lives. If we ever lost our commissions, wasn't quite a sackable offense, but probably. And if you did it twice, you'd certainly be sacked. It was an incredibly powerful piece of paper. And it gave us the power to do an awful lot of things. It made me, along with most customs officers, far more powerful than the police and the armed forces. And I literally had to guard it with my life. This commission I've got was cancelled when I left customs uh, back in 1998, 1999, whatever it was. So for me, it's now just a keepsake, and I'm sad, so I had it framed, and it's up on my wall. But this is what it actually says, or this is what part of it says. It says that the commissioners of Her Majesty's Customs and Excise have appointed me to be an officer. It says that I have full power and authority to do and perform all such matters and things that have been assigned to me to do. And it goes on to say that I'm an officer who's to enforce all laws, regulations, penalties, and forfeitures as directed by Her Majesty's commissioners. But this is the bit that I really like the most. And this is, it should be up on the screen for you. It says this, praying and requiring all and every constable, that's the police, and member of Her Majesty's Armed Forces or Coast Guard, and all others whom it may concern to aid and assist me in all things. Wow, that's quite a bit of paper, isn't it? What a lot of power. Fantastic. It gave me the right to stop people, to search people, to arrest them, to search houses, to search offices, ships, planes, to seize vehicles, to seize ships and planes, and even call in the military and the police if needs be. And they would have had to assist me if I requested them to. And I had a number of occasions when I personally had to uh, uh, request the assistance of the police and was really glad of their help. And that would be quite a nice piece of paper to carry around in your pocket, wouldn't it? To have all of that power at your fingertips at your disposal, all of that power, knowing that that was yours, to know that you've been commissioned to do this important job, stopping things like drugs and weapons and other things from being smuggled into the country, and to know that not just that you've been given a job to do, but you've actually got the authority and the power to do it, and to know that one of the Queen's top officials had signed the commission on her behalf, and that you had the full backing and the power of the government and the law behind you. But I want to talk today about another commission that I received, not when I was 19, but one that I received when I was seven, because it was when I was age seven that in a very simple way, I trusted in Jesus, and I gave my life to him and began to follow him. In fact, it was in Rob's dad's Sunday school class many, many years ago, and the commission that I received when I trusted in Jesus is the same commission that every single person who's ever trusted in Jesus has received. And it's found in five different places in the New Testament of the Bible, but probably the best known and most detailed passage where we get the most detail in is uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. It's often called the Great Commission. This is a, a good commission, but this is the Great Commission, so much more important. And it takes place just before Jesus ascended back to heaven. So if you've got a Bible with you, please turn with me. We're going to read from Matthew 28 verses 16 to 20. And if you haven't got a Bible, that's fine. You can just listen as I read it to you. So Matthew chapter 28 and starting at verse 16 down to the end of the the book, in fact. This is what it says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the great commission. That's the great instruction, the great giving of authority that every person who's ever trusted in Jesus has received. And as exciting and as interesting as my job as a customs officer could be at times, the officer's commission that I received when I was 19 is nothing compared to the commission that I received when I was seven. The commission I received when I was 19 came from somebody who worked worked for the Queen, but the commission that I received when I was seven came directly from God himself. Now, that is exciting, isn't it? That's Fairly exciting, I guess, if you're a bit geeky and sad like me. But, if, but this is really exciting, this great commission coming from the king of kings himself. It's one thing to get a commission from the queen. But imagine receiving a commission from the very throne room of heaven, from the king of kings. But here's the deal. If you're a Christian today, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've asked him into your life, if you've begun to be a follower and a believer in Jesus, then the moment that you did that and became a Christian, you also received that same commission from God, from the King of Kings. Not just me, every single person in this room that has put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ has also received that same commission. And it's way more important than that piece of paper that I used to carry around with me. As a customs officer, I was commissioned to do things like stopping drug smugglers, but as believers in Jesus, we have been commissioned to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We've been made for a mission, We're here for a reason on planet Earth, a whole number of reasons. But one of those key reasons that we're here is for a mission. We're made for a mission to go out and to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. I was able to contribute towards a number of drug seizures, and arrests during my time in Customs. And that's a really significant thing to do. And the, the very last job I was involved with, we, we seized 11 kilos of cocaine from somebody who was smuggling from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil up into Heathrow Airport. And that was a great drug seizure. That was really significant. That stopped drugs getting onto the streets and all that kind of stuff. But when we're obedient to Jesus and we tell other people about him and they, like us, become his disciples, become his followers and that has eternal significance, way more significance than any drug seizure or anything like that, because it means that they've been rescued from spending eternity in what the Bible calls hell. And that is so much more important than any drug seizure or arrest that I could make, or anything else that any of us could ever do for that matter. Although most customs officers carry a commission, not all of them do, and they don't all have the powers that I had most officers do, but, but not all of them did. And, and not all officers would carry a commission. And it's usually only after a certain training and ensuring that an officer is qualified that a commission is given. And, and that's a good idea because you don't want people running around the countryside doing things that they're not trained to do and equipped to do and uh, uh, lawfully charged to do. but You know, sometimes as believers in Jesus, we think it should be a little bit like that in the church some people think that only a special or a kind of elite group of people have been commissioned by Jesus. We think there's a, you know, kind of a sort of hierarchy, and it's only for those who are in full-time Christian work, or it's just for the men, or it's only for those who've been to Bible college, or it's only when a person's over a certain age. But that's complete nonsense, It's complete and utter nonsense. If you have trusted in Jesus, then you have received orders and authority from Jesus himself to work for him the moment that you put your faith and trust in him, the moment that you became a Christian. And the the commission that Christians receive isn't just after we've been a Christian for five years when we've kind of proved ourselves, or it's not just for the men or or, or just for those who are well-educated, just for those who've been to university. That would count me out for a start. And it's not just for those who've been to Bible college or who are in full-time Christian service or, or just for the missionaries. It's for every single person who was trusted in Jesus. And if you are a, a follower of Jesus this morning, if you have surrendered your life to him and put your faith and trust in him, then that includes you. Every believer has been commissioned. Not just some, not just a special group. Every single believer has been commissioned. You don't need special training. You don't need to be a certain age. You don't have to uh, have, gone, uh, have any qualifications. You just have to be willing to obey Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for a few months or for many years, it doesn't matter whether you're 9, 19, 59, or whatever, Jesus has given you a command, and it's a commission not from the queen, but from God himself, from the king of kings. And it's a command and a commission to tell others about Jesus so that they believe in him, have their sins forgiven, begin a relationship with God, and become Jesus' followers, his disciples. Every single one of us has been commissioned to go and tell others the good news about Jesus so that they in turn can believe in him and become his disciples so that they in turn will go and make more disciples and so on and the reason every single one of us who've trusted in Jesus is here this morning is because somebody else took this commission seriously and shared the good news with us and somebody shared it with them and somebody shared it with them and so on and throughout history we are the the fruit of those who've passed on and carried out and lived out this great commission my dad was also a customs officer for all his working life, and he also had a commission, and, and, and like me, he's quite sad, and he has it framed on his office wall as well. And if you were to read it, you'd discover that it, the wording is a little bit different from the one I've got. He received his in 1963. I received mine in 1992. But, but although some of the wording is a little bit different, it still said more or less the same thing and, and gave the same power, it's just the language was a little bit more archaic. That's fairly archaic. My dad's one is much more archaic. And the Great Commission in the Bible is a little bit like that because it's recorded for us in five different places in the Gospels and, and, and in Acts of the Apostles as well. The first time we read the words of the Great Commission is actually in John chapter 20 when Jesus appears to his disciples. He's, he's just risen from the dead, and this is what he says to them. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As Jesus, for the first time, well, the first recorded time anyway, gives this great commission, that the great command to go and tell others about him, he begins by showing those first disciples the wounds in his hands and in his side. And he shows them the marks of his suffering on the cross, where the nails had pierced his hands and where the spear had pierced his side. It was a very visible and a a shocking reminder of what Jesus had done on the cross, that he died as a substitute sacrifice to make it possible for people to be forgiven. And it was because Jesus died, it was because of those wounds that those first disciples and every disciple since then, including you and including me, has to go and tell others. It's because of those wounds that we need to go. Jesus says here, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God the Father sent Jesus God the Son from heaven to earth to die on the cross. And now Jesus says to those first disciples and to us today, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you to tell people about what I did on the cross. And that means that we'll have to step outside of our comfort zone. We're being sent just as Jesus was sent. We've got to go just as Jesus went from heaven to earth. And, and just as it was for Jesus, that will sometimes be costly for us, it will sometimes be difficult, sometimes be uncomfortable, and maybe even dangerous for, for many people around the world this morning. Jesus left everything he knew in heaven and came to a really hostile world full of sin. And, and to people that, like, on the whole, hated him and rejected him and that will often be the same for us jesus says as i'm as the father has sent me i'm sending you as it was for jesus so will it be for us it's important that if we're going to be obedient to what jesus wants us to do and go and tell other people that we understand that it might not always be an easy thing to do it will often involve leaving our comfort and our security and going on a mission and that mission might be as simple as crossing the room at work and having a conversation with our work colleague or someone in our class at school. Might be as simple as that. That might be as simple as fulfilling the Great Commission, just going out of our comfort. I'm going to go and have a conversation with someone, but this is going to be potentially uncomfortable. They might reject what I've got to say. They might think I'm weird. It's uncomfortable. It might be difficult. We might get rejected. But it's still a very simple thing just to cross the room. Or it might be as massive as moving overseas to a hostile country like Lucy or as as Martha's recently done. It doesn't matter so much where we go to, what matters is that we go. In whatever context it is that God has placed us, wherever God has called us to be, whether that's in northern India, in in the east coast of Africa, or here in the northeast of England, wherever God has put us, in a school classroom, in in an office, in our neighborhood, wherever, at the school gate, whatever it looks like, the important thing is not so much where we go, but that we do go. That we go out of our comfort zone and that we put our lives, if you like, out there, and we risk it all, and we tell people about Jesus. What matters is that we step out, and we take action, so that other people get to hear the good news about Jesus. The second record for us in the Bible of the Great Commission is found in Luke 24, as Jesus speaks to his first disciples, and this is what it says. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This great commission that we've received to go and to preach right across the world, not just in the Northeast, but to the whole world, to all nations, that Jesus has died and has risen from the dead. And that's got to be right at the heart of what we go and tell other people. It's the fact that Jesus has died, that he's risen from the dead. That is the heart of the message. That is the heart of the news. And if we're not telling people that, if that is not what we're sharing with people, then we might as well not bother. If we're having a kids' club, Friday Frenzy or FX, or if we're having a grandparent and toddler group, or if we're having a fun day, if at the center of that, people don't get to know that Jesus died and died for their sins and rose again, then really it's kind of pointless. Because loads of other people can put on youth work and and fun days and parent and toddler things. What's different about us, the different thing that we have to tell people is this message. That Jesus died, he died as a substitute sacrifice for sin, and he rose and conquered death. And that has to be at the heart of it. And everything we do as a church, we need to cut open and be able to see that message there oozing out as it were. That that is right at the heart of what we do. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross where he died for your sins and for my sins, and his resurrection from the dead and conquering sin and death and hell, that needs to be right at the very heart of what we tell people. The best-known passage that records the Great Commission in greatest detail is found in Matthew 28, which we looked at earlier. But let's just look at it briefly again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The authority that I was given uh, in my customs officer's commission was the highest that there could be in the country. It didn't get any higher. It was from the queen herself, from the crown. But, but Jesus' authority is greater than any human authority because he's the king of kings, Because he rose from the dead and proved that he was who he said he was, he has been given all authority. He is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, and he commissions us to go and to tell others about him. And he does that with all of the authority, not just with a bit of authority, not with some delegated authority, but with all authority. It's all been given to Jesus, and he transfers it to us. That's the amazing thing. All of the authority in heaven and earth is now behind us. Just as I could go out knowing that I was safe to make an arrest, knowing that I had the authority of the crown behind me, we have all the authority of the king of kings behind us as we go out and tell others. He commissions us to go and tell others about him, and he's transferred that authority to us. And When we go and tell other people about Jesus, we do that with the very highest authority. We've got all of the power and authority of the King of Kings behind us and with us. I don't know about you, but I often get nervous or sometimes intimidated when I try to talk to non-Christians about Jesus. I'm not really very good at it, genuinely, and it doesn't come easy to me. I'm not an evangelist. It's not a gifting I have, and it's hard work for me. I don't find it easy, and I guess probably lots of us are like that. It's not something we just kind of open our out. Some people are really good at that and have a, the gift of being able to do that. I don't. And it can be a scary thing to do because we might get rejected. We might get laughed at. We might think, well, who am I to tell somebody else that they need a Savior? Because basically by telling them that they need a Savior, I'm saying that they're a sinner, that they've messed up, that their life isn't right, et cetera. Well, who am I to tell them that? That's a kind of a bit of an imposition on them, isn't it? And isn't that a bit kind of cheeky and, and, and so on? But we have the very highest authority. There is no higher authority. So we don't need to ask people's permission to share this good news with them. We don't need to wait until someone asks us. We just need to go. There's a whole culture that has developed among Christian believers that says, you know, it, it's not for us to impose our views on anybody else. We've got to wait until they ask us or wait until they give us permission. Now, with all due respect, that is a load of postmodern claptrap, because Jesus has commanded us to do this. This isn't an option for us. Jesus has commanded us to do this, and he has given us the very highest authority to do this. We don't need permission from people to tell people that they need a Savior. Now, for sure, we need to be gracious, and we need to be gentle, and be wise about how we do it. The Apostle Peter said that as we tell others about Jesus, we should do that with gentleness and respect. But we have all of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ behind us, and he's commanded us, he's not given us the option, he's commanded us to tell others about him, and this is the only truth. There aren't various truths out there, this is the only truth. And people's eternal destiny is at stake. This isn't just a kind of, you know, I've got a new phone, and, and, and hey, you might be interested in this deal because it's better than your deal, or you might... You know, it's not just the product we're selling. This is the eternal destiny of people's lives at stake. This is the only truth. There is only one truth. Postmodernism, which says, well, this is your belief, and that's your belief, and hey, I don't want to offend you, that is postmodern claptrap. It's not biblical. It's ungodly. It's demonic, in fact. So this isn't about us imposing our views on people. It's about us being obedient to Jesus and telling people how they can be saved from eternal punishment. It's not easy to do. We have to do it with gentleness and respect and with great wisdom but we do need to do it. There were times when I was a customs officer that people didn't like me, or probably all the time, people didn't like me exercising my authority. Nobody liked being questioned. No one likes being searched. No one likes having their car seized or their house raided. No one likes that, do they? But... In those moments, it was important for me to remember that sometimes as difficult and as confrontational as as my job could be, I had the very highest authority of the land behind me. The, The government, if you like, had my back. The crown as authority was there. Jesus says here that he will be with us always. He's got our back. He's with us always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus said this just before he ascended back to heaven. So in what sense is he with us to the very end of the age? I mean, he's not physically here with us, is he, right now? Well, he's with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives in every single Christian believer. And he gives us the strength and the words that we need as we go and tell others about Jesus. And the great thing is that the Holy Spirit isn't just living inside of us, he's also at work in the lives of non-Christians, preparing them to hear what we say to them. And we're going to see some examples of how that works in a few weeks' time as we look um, at some examples in the book of Acts of how God was working in the lives of people just at the right time when somebody else then walked up and preached to them. And just the right time, God was at work. And God is doing that today too. And that's encouraging to know. We're not on our own in this. This is not just down to how clever I can kind of get my argument rehearsed. It's not just down to how loud I can say it or shout someone down or, or win an argument. It's not about that. God takes our weak and sometimes pathetic arguments and stuttering, stammering kind of words, and he empowers them with a power that is supernatural, it's the Holy Spirit's power, and God changes lives. Paul, didn't he, said, it wasn't with wise or persuasive words that I came to you, he said, I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So next time you're considering talking to your friend at school or your work colleague or or, or one of your neighbors in in the street, remember that Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are not on your own. I'm not on my own. We sometimes feel very kind of naked, don't we? And, and it's scary and, it, and it's, you know, it can be really kind of intimidating sometimes to do this. But we're not on our own. And our words, it doesn't rely on how clever we are or how smart we are. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we see this again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says this, you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now, for sure, Jesus was saying that to the first disciples, but we're in there because we're the ones doing it to the very ends of the earth 2,000 years later. So this includes us. The Holy Spirit came on those first disciples shortly after Jesus said this at the Jewish Feast of Pentecost. And as Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he then stood up and he preached And 3,000 Jewish people gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be cool? Imagine 3,000 people would have to have a much bigger building for a start. But they were outdoors probably, and as as Peter preached, 3,000 people responded. And every person since that moment that has put their faith and trust in Jesus has been filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit the moment they trusted in Jesus. And if you have trusted in Jesus this morning, then you are filled with the eternal presence and power of the Holy Spirit right now. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit within us that can take our words, faltering and weak and stammering and stuttering that they might be, and give them a power of their own as we tell others about Jesus. So that sometimes what we might think was, well, I made a mess of that, and then somebody gives their life to Jesus. I've, I've been in services where I've heard some rubbish preaching, genuinely rubbish preaching, a bit like this morning, Terrible preaching and I thought that was just awful and then someone got saved and that's not an excuse for bad preaching but it just shows that it's not down to how clever we are or how good we are at doing things God is at work and if you have trusted in Jesus the Holy Spirit lives in you and, and if you read what Peter said in Acts 2 when he stood up and he preached to the Jews after he'd received the Holy Spirit he didn't say anything clever it, you know it wasn't a kind of fancy message I've I've certainly heard much cleverer, fancier messages. He didn't have a PowerPoint. He didn't have some good, clever illustrations, all the rest of it. He just stood up and preached a very simple message. And 3,000 people responded. But the Holy Spirit took his simple words and they hit home in the hearts of those who were listening and they surrendered their lives to Jesus. So we mustn't think that we've got to be an expert in telling people about Jesus or that we've got to be really clever or do it in a cool, sophisticated way. We just need to be faithful to what Jesus has asked us to do and, and leave the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Mark's gospel records the Great Commission in fewer words. This is, this is how he records what Jesus said. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And in this record, we get something of the serious nature of our commission because Jesus says that those who believe the message, that we give to them will be saved but those who do not believe will be condemned what does it mean to be condemned by god well, It means to be condemned to death spiritual death It means being eternally separated from god for all eternity and from all that is good and it means experiencing god's wrath against sin for all eternity those who don't believe will be condemned jesus says These are Jesus' words. Those who don't believe will be condemned for all eternity. But those who do believe will be saved from God's condemnation. They'll be saved from God's wrath against their sin. They'll have their sins forgiven. They'll have an eternal relationship with God through Jesus. And they'll be with God forever. That's a huge kind of difference, isn't there? Huge contrast. The consequences are eternal. And those who believe are saved for all eternity. And those who don't believe are condemned to death, to spiritual death. The stakes could not be higher. People's eternal destiny is at stake and Jesus has commissioned us to go and to tell people the good news that he has died for them and that he's made a, a way for them to be saved, to be forgiven, to be made right with God and to have eternal life. So we have to go. Going might mean crossing the room at school or in the office or it might mean having a conversation with somebody at the school gate about jesus it might in, it might mean getting involved with some of the evangelistic activities that we do here at region friday frenzy or, or fx or things like the fun days or uh, uh, oaks and acorns or when we're distributing literature and so on it might mean going on a summer mission team with glow or with beach missions, or, or getting involved in a youth camp and going as being as a youth leader so that young people can hear about Jesus. It might even mean going abroad on a permanent basis like Lucy and Martha have done to tell people who've never even heard of Jesus all about him. In a few weeks' time on 15th of February, we're starting a Christianity Explored course here at Region. And, and a great way to fulfill the Great Commission would be to invite somebody along to that course. If there's somebody that you've been praying for, maybe somebody that God has put on your heart and you have, I guess what we could call a burden for their, uh, for their eternal destiny, somebody that you particularly just feel God has put on your heart, that he's put you close to, that you've been praying for, or that the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to share the gospel with, or maybe someone that you've been talking to about Jesus and about the Bible, then can I challenge you and encourage you to step out and to go and to be bold and invite them to Christianity Explored. Christianity Explored is not the gospel. It's just a tool that helps us connect people with the gospel. And there's loads of other ways of doing it, but we are doing it here in a few weeks. So why don't we all kind of try and pitch in and make that happen? And if you, somebody may say no, that's fine, but at least let's try and ask ask somebody and and pray that those people who come will come to faith. You know, it might be that you've never actually trusted in Jesus yourself. You've experienced this great commission because a follower of Jesus has brought you here to regent this morning or has encouraged you to come this morning. But you yourself have maybe never actually bowed down to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never received his forgiveness. You've never received his eternal life. And I've got to be blunt with you this morning and say that if you don't believe, the words of Jesus are that you'll be condemned. This is really serious stuff. And condemnation of God means eternal separation from God and from all that is good, and facing his wrath for your, against your sin forever. This is horrendous, frankly. Those who do not believe will be condemned. And so with humility and, and respect, I say to you nevertheless, now is the time to trust in Jesus. Those who don't believe will be condemned. Those who do believe will be saved. Saved for eternity and being with, with God forever. You've never bowed down to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and received his forgiveness and eternal life. If, if if that's you this morning, then why not take that step today? Give your life to Jesus. Confess your sins to him. Thank him for dying for you on the cross. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to come in, live in you by the power of the Spirit, and make you into that brand new person. Maybe you're not ready to do that, but you'd like to know more. And if that's you, then by all means come and chat with me afterwards or, or any time, but Why not come along to Christianity Explored if you haven't already signed up for that? 15th of February, just a few weeks' time. Let's just take a few moments to pause and reflect on what we've looked at this morning. In this moment of quiet, why don't you pray for whoever the Holy Spirit has been placing on your heart, maybe one or more people, and ask the Lord for an opportunity this week to share the gospel with them, perhaps for the first time, or maybe just again, to to reinforce that so that they might be saved. Let's just take that opportunity to do that. In this moment of quiet, if you've never trusted in Jesus, then why not take that step this morning and just in the silence and the sacredness of this moment, just surrender your life to him and bow before him and ask his forgiveness. Father, we thank you that you saw our need from heaven. And because of your love for us, you sent your son, your beloved son, the Lord Jesus, to come and die for us on the cross. Thank you that you've taken the wrath of God. You've taken the punishment that we deserved, so that we can be made right with you. Lord, we thank you. And we're reminded that just as you sent the Lord Jesus, so, Lord Jesus, you are sending us. Forgive us when we don't do that. Forgive us, Father, when we stay quiet, when we stay silent, when we don't go. Give us the courage, the boldness, the urgency, I pray, Father, this morning, each one of us to cross the office, to cross the street, to, co- to perhaps cross the world, Be faithful to the Great Commission so that lost people might hear about you and come to know you and and be saved. We'll bless all that we seek to do as individuals and as a church family as we seek to reach people with the good news about Jesus. We pray that many, many more people in the weeks and days and months ahead, Lord, would come to know you, not just here but right across this world, we pray. We ask that you would help us particularly to be bold and and invite those who don't know you to Christianity ethics board. And would you bless that course, Father, as we do that in a few weeks' time. With many come to know you, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.